0: Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.
1: That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we are breaking down District 4 activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and today we're joined by an old bag of bones, Scott Burton. Yo, what's up? What's going on, Bones?
0: Oh, I tell you what, Brandon. This is what fall sports can do to a man.
1: (laughs) Now, for those of you that are watching the uh, video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll notice it's just a skeleton uh, in the chair that Scott normally occupies. He's still got his hat on, so I can only assume that Scott has crossed over into the other side.
0: I'm waiting for you, Brandon. (laughs) Uh, uh, Grandpappy. Is that
1: you? (laughs) Oh my goodness! If you're listening audio only, IdahoSports.com, or wherever you download your podcasts, close your eyes and see if that 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 voice Scott's using sounds like anybody that's in the news a lot lately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well played, well played.
1: And I'm (laughs) and I'm just going to leave that there. I'm not going to (laughs) go any further than that.
0: Yeah, you don't need to. I got it, and I appreciate it. uh, This is my friend Bones, who. Pretty much represents a lot of ADs towards the end of fall sports as it is a killer. (laughs) and You feel like you have just been turned to bones and dust. And uh, as we're winding it down, it is exhausting district uh, brackets and district tournaments and getting ready for winter sports. And yep, that's why Bones made an appearance today.
1: I thought it was going to be like your stunt double, you know, it's, you know, if you, if you've got an angry parent that wants to talk to you, uh, yep. Okay. I'll take the meeting and it's just,
0: bones. That's, you know, that you know next time that happens, that's what I should do. Have them walk into my office and have bones sitting there with me and, or, or instead of me yeah, it's with a big sign that just says, I'm a great listener. what's on your mind
1: (laughs) oh man yeah that would be the perfect stunt double for you and as we transition into what's a a busy edition of fall postseason action here the twin falls golfers needed an extra stunt double or two to overtake the dynasty that is bishop kelly golf we talked about state golf last week scott and how we thought twin falls had a really good chance to compete in both boys and girls golf and they did but Darn Bishop Kelly sweeps the team titles. They have the indiv- individual champ on the girls' side as well. The The girls' race in particular, Scott, was very close. Uh, a total of, I believe it was two strokes separated these two teams, and it was uh, three strokes. Three strokes. BK, BK beat Twin by three strokes.
0: <clears throat> yeah, th- that the BK girls, um, they, they earned that one. They played really, really well, and, and Twin played well. It was just a battle down to the end. Who was going to make the shots? Who wasn't? It wasn't a matter of giving anything away that I think may have happened on the boys' side of things. Um, But gosh darn it, BK, enough already. Go away. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Um and th- and this came down to essentially the fifth the fifth best scores between these two because among the top 11 Scott were four from Bishop Kelly, four from Twin Falls. So the top four golfers on each side each landed within the top 11. Uh so then you trickle down to um bishop kelly ended up getting 20th overall uh with their with their fifth golfer so it was a very close competitive uh match ava schroeder of twin ends up taking second overall she finishes seven strokes behind kara carter of bishop kelly your champion and special shout out on the girl side as well to allison shockey from minico taking home 12th overall that was a great finish for her also
0: yeah you know i tell you what as much as i i knock on bishop kelly and everybody hates him and you know, wants them to lose and they never do. I I will, I will give them props for something that happened at the tournament. And I believe it involved Sally DeFranco, one of their golfers. And it was a, it was a par five. And it was, I I believe it was on the final day and she hits her, her tee shot or was a second shot, whatever, into the, the high knee grass. And it was just trouble. And she's out there just taking practice swings and, trying out clubs just trying to figure out what is going to get this out of here and she approached the ball and swung and missed but it looked like a practice swing to everybody else and so she the the next swing she pops it on out of there gets it up to the hole and you know finishes out the hole and her her coach and everybody's like hey a great six way to, way to manage the six. And um, she walked right over to the scorekeeper and said, I got a seven. I took a swing in the weeds and I missed. And she was the only one that knew it. And so I I give a lot of credit to that. You know, if you're going to win, do it the right way. And, and I thought that was a pretty cool story because I mean, how many times in golf, not just competitive golf with kids but you're out playing with your buddies and all of a sudden we are math idiots we can't we can't add we can't do anything and in a, in a situation like this where she could have gotten away with it
1: she didn't she was honest and her team still won that's incredible <laughs> what a story what what you do when nobody else is watching uh yeah sounds like a future scott's thoughts topic. <laughs> yeah i know
0: right it might be so congratulations, Bishop Kelly girls.
1: Yep. Uh, and congrats to the Bishop Kelly boys as well. They won a little more decidedly over Twin Falls' boys. Uh, they end up winning by 13 strokes over the Bruins. Uh, Brody Payne from Twin Falls takes third overall. Trey, uh, Trey Payne, his brother, takes sixth. And McCoy Clunt in tenth to round out the top three there for the Bruins. But yeah. good showing by Twin also.
0: It was. And it was one of those things that twin just really kind of let get away from them because, you know, they were a plus 15, I think, over the final three holes and it just imploded towards the end. And it was unfortunate. And you look at, you know, um, BK, they their boys placed fourth, fifth, seventh, 11th and 15th. They put all their golfers in the top fifteen. I mean, that's huge. Twin, on the other hand, 3, 6, 10, 16, and 26, you know, and so when you look at those team titles, it is really all about the back end. It's like, what are those four and fives doing that are going to help you win uh, a, a title? And, you know, twin down the stretch, just, just couldn't get it done. and And it's BK and twin every single year, because I mean, when you look at it and you look at the team standings, it's BK, twin, and everybody else.
1: Yeah. And it is uh twin had the lead after day one too, right? They they led by a stroke three twelve to three thirteen and uh, just couldn't quite finish it off. But that's the way sports goes sometimes. And it is. We, and,
0: nope. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I mean, and, and it kind of ties back to something we said in the earlier uh podcast that you know you look at the golf thing and golf is a really tricky thing to be successful at in school because it is a very, um, expensive game to play, you know, because you've got to be able to have a membership. You've got to be able to have clubs. You've got to be able, it it is, it's an expensive venture. And you look at Twain and BK, perfect economic situations for their schools. And, and, and it's no coincidence why they can do what they do because they have got these kids that, um, have the means to do it and and good for them and i'm glad they're doing it because you know as i'm raising my kids i'm trying to get them into golf because that's something that's going to last them forever and ever and ever and these kids from BK and twin they're gonna they're gonna be glad they did this
1: yeah it was <laughs> a really <laughs> right they'll talk about it for forever and ever uh, it circles all the way back to the very first scott's thoughts we did about learning from a loss and this will just fuel the bruins throughout the off season and So congrats to all of our golfers who went over and competed. And by the way, Scott, the weather was fantastic up in North Idaho. I'd say we're two for two on the fall golf thing. I tell you what, what a difference that has made. And I, 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 when I
0: coached golf back in the day, it it was in the spring, obviously. And it was horrible. I mean, it was miserable and I hated it. I didn't want to be there. The kids hated it because they hadn't picked up a club all, all winter. And then they go out in these 25 mile an hour crosswinds, sometimes snow, pelting you in the eye, and you're trying to play golf. It was miserable. The fall golf has been awesome. And I think that's going to do wonders for the sport as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, so far a, a raging success uh, switching 5A, 4A golf to the fall. Uh, another fall sport that's been in the fall for, I think, as long as it's been a sport is soccer, Scott. And we have got district tournament action heating up. We have uh, a couple of championship matches on tap in the Magic Valley. So, what I'm going to do is, again, if you're watching the video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, uh, I will share my screen. We'll put the brackets up on the screen so you can see them with your own eyes. If you're listening at IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, it's all good. We've got the district brackets on the home page, and you can follow along there as well. So. Let me start with the Great Basin Conference, and we'll start with uh, the boys. We'll go with the boys action because my computer freezes up. Can you still hear me, Scott? I got you. I got you. I have a lot of tabs open right now, and so uh, my system is rejecting me for a moment. Uh, Okay, let me hold on a second okay <laughs> there we go I got my uh, other screen back finally okay here's the bracket uh yeah. dist- district four 4A boys uh, we talked about uh the the cross bracketing and we'll get to that in a second but the championship match was Wednesday Canyon Ridge defeats Wood River one to nothing the River Hawks are your district champs they will move on to state. Meanwhile, you have, let's see, Mountain Home won this game. Obviously, Paul didn't update the brackets last night when he was putting in scores. Uh, even I, I gave him the score, even. Yeah, unreal. Unreal, Paul. Okay, uh, at the, the one night I took off from doing brackets. Uh, so Wood River will play Mountain Home for the second and final spot to state uh, today, Scott. Thursday, October 12th is we're recording this.
0: Yeah, um, you know, Mountain Homes had a really, you know, quietly successful year. They've been, you know, pretty formidable in this conference. And they've got, they've got a good shot at knocking off Wood River. Wood River, as you know, represented us last year at State. Um, and, you know, they've got a great soccer program up there. I think this is going to be an interesting, interesting battle between these two. And I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them goes.
1: Now the other interesting uh, part that's happened here on the backside of the bracket, as we talked about this last week, no cross bracketing amongst among the consolation bracket participants. So Jerome and Burley played in the first round and then had to play right away in a loser out game. Same story for mountain home and twin falls. Wasn't a problem for mountain home. In fact, they won by identical three to one scores both times over the Bruins, but After Burley nips Jerome on penalty kicks 3 nothing in the opener, Jerome gets revenge 2-1 to in that loser-out match.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, this cross-bracketing thing is going to present arguments on both sides because this is where it benefited the team that lost first. Um, I mean, it's tough to beat teams multiple times during the season, but it's even tougher to beat a team multiple times within like a couple, two, three days. And that's what happened here with the Burley Jerome matchup. And, you know, and I really see this conference going to cross bracketing uh, down, you know, down the road or at least next year. Um, Because really, when you look at it, and I think we may have mentioned this, but I'm not sure is, is yeah, you play all season long for a seed. And that seed places you in that first round, the end after that. What happens after that? Seeds don't matter. You're going to a place in the bracket, and if the bracket doesn't match up, then you should have done better with the seed that you earned coming into the tournament, you know. And so I I really think you're going to see a big push to cross-bracket these things uh, next year. But Jerome was the beneficiary of it, I think, this year.
1: Yeah, this is uh, somewhat new for the Great Basin because in years past, you had included all seven teams in the district tournament, and it was just kind of a series of – uh, almost like a, like a, uh, Royal rumble, match in wrestling where you have one matchup and then that guy gets thrown out of the ring and then the next team's up. And it was, a, it was a, a, interesting looking bracket. Now you've said, okay, uh, we're only taking six of the seven, a more traditional bracket. So we're, we're watching it play out in real time for sure. I feel like we're about 25 years behind the times
0: here in the great basin. As far as running a bracket goes, it's like, really? Okay, fine. All right. We'll, we'll get it figured out eventually. But, uh. For now, uh no cross bracketing, and we're gonna see the same thing on the girls' side too.
1: You know, you know what the the problem was, and we talk about this a lot on the East Idaho prep cast, um, because he's now over in East Idaho, but the master we call him the master of brackets, Ty Shippen, former mm-hmm. Minico AD. That guy can build a bracket, I'll tell you what that's that's where you went wrong you lost them to east idaho
0: (laughs) i guess and he took apparently took all the secrets with him because we're just sitting around (laughs) spinning our heads going what do we do what's a bracket look like well we'll get it figured out
1: yep all right so that's four a so congratulations to the canyon ridge boys and uh, good luck to wood river and mountain home as they play for that second spot to state thursday three o'clock up in wood river so uh good luck there let's check in on the great basin girls scott where you had a crosstown showdown for the district championship wednesday evening uh twin falls defeats canyon ridge two to one bruins headed to state and on the back side of the bracket meanwhile you've got two versus three canyon ridge and mountain home again they'll play at 4 30 uh thursday in twin falls
0: and, yep, again, here we go. Taking a look at that bracket as somebody's pounding on my, my doorbell. Um, that cross-bracketing thing came back and bit another one in, in the butt again. Um, but as far as the championship match goes, you know, Twins been pretty dominant in girls' soccer. Um, Katie does a great job over there with those girls, and they are just perennial favorites in this conference And, um, you know, Canyon Ridge, a great season for them and still a chance to represent, you know, they're going to have to get by Mountain Home, um, who beat Jerome last night. But I really do think that this Canyon Ridge team is is a clear number two. And I think you're going to get Twin and Canyon Ridge representing out of this.
1: Yeah, uh, they already won the the semifinal with Mountain Home three nothing earlier in the tournament. Plus, they've got the home field advantage as well. So, uh, congrats to the Twin Falls girls, and uh, good luck to Canyon Ridge and Mountain Home both competing for that. Second spot to state as well. All right, let's go down to the 3A rank, Scott. We didn't have an actual bracket to present last week because they were still doing regular season stuff, but here is the boys' bracket. The championship is Thursday, 4 o'clock, up in... uh, up in Ketchum, the Sun Valley. Uh, it is the top-seeded cutthroats from the Sun Valley Community School and the number two seed from Wendell. You can ignore the seeds, Scott. They, they they tied for first place in the league standings. They each beat each other, so they split the regular season series. We talked about Wendell a lot last week in boys' soccer. Um, the nice thing is, is that both teams have advanced to state. This is a two-and-a-half bid league this year.
0: Yeah. um, And that's, it's funny because, you know, I remember talking about this particular bracket at at some other point is that really in this conference, just win a game really. And you're going to be fine. And that's kind of what's happening with Sun Valley and Wendell one and two. We knew this all along, this was going to happen. And so now um, the winner's going to better their standing and the loser is going to turn around in a play-in game. And that play-in game is going to be this Saturday at Jerome. We're going to host that um, with somebody out of District 3. So,
1: yeah. So, 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 Sun Valley and Wendell, I think, is going to be the better matchup. But the game that has bigger implications is actually that third-place match down here between Bliss and Kimberly. The winner of that, that's not correct. We got to get rid of that. Okay. The winner of that moves to the state play-in match. And so will it be Bliss? Will it be Kimberly? We'll wait and see. I do want to give a shout out to number five seed Bliss though uh, for nearly knocking off the cutthroats in the semis up here. They only lost three to two. So I don't know. It'd be cool to see Bliss with a chance to get to state. Oh, why not? Bliss bears
0: at state. Uh, i mean that would be that would be cool definitely a cinderella underdog story
1: yeah and bliss of course does get uh quite a few players from glenn's ferry as well as part of that co-op but um we'll see bliss and kimberly play today in kimberly at 3 30 sun valley community school and wendell have both already clinched spots at state they'll play at four o'clock for the district title there uh on the girls side scott uh, we've got uh, Kimberly and Sun Valley Community School meeting in the championship tonight in Kimberly at 5 15 approximately, uh, because the Kimberly boys are hosting Bliss first and then they have the same officiating crew. So they've got to give them enough time to recharge the batteries. That's, by the way, that's a marathon. Refereeing two soccer matches in a row, the same crew? Oh, it, it
0: certainly is. I mean, soccer is, you, you talk about you know, basketball and football and everything else just kind of moving. But the field is so long and it is so back and forth that those, those officials are getting a workout.
1: Scott, we've got a new feature here on the back end. I can pause if you need to go answer your door. (laughs) I'll be right back. (laughs) All right. And through the magic of Disney, we're back. Hey, everyone, Scott, I've got to ask who was at the door? oh geez girl scout cookies and no actually
0: you know what it was is and i don't know what it's like up up there but around here we have the a a new fiber optic internet company tds coming through and so i'm switching over because the one i have is well i feel like it was what you had when you first moved to cordelaine but the funny thing is these this new company when they took over the town, they were coming in your backyard They're digging holes there. I mean, I woke up one morning and I just kind of just stumbled out of bed and opened the shades. And there's some dude digging in my backyard and he's already got a hole up to his chest. I'm like, what is going on here? And now I've got a manhole kind of in the corner of my backyard uh, with all of this stuff in it. And I'm like, I'm pretty invasive, but at the same time, it's like, all right, fine, let's go. So that was them coming back to destroy more of my property. I would imagine
1: you'll, you'll enjoy the fiber optic internet. That's what I, I finally made the switch from, uh, dial up. Well, it felt like dial up, uh, and then it looked I, like dial up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got the fiber internet now and it, it's humming for sure. So, yeah. So
0: that's where we're going with this one. And plus, if I'm moving this studio that I'm building out to the garage, um, I'm going to need something a little bit stronger. So that's what's going on. And they were not going to go away until I answered the door. <laughs>
1: Gotcha. Hey, last week I was doing again the east not to keep talking about the East Idaho Prepcast, but uh, the bug the bug guy came to the door while I was recording. You know, to spray for we well, got yeah, we got really bad spiders up here in Coeur d'Alene, so I gotta keep an eye on that. So <laughs> the guys behind you just spraying
0: around in the <laughs> ceiling and uh, right that would be cool. Just come on in, do your thing, do your thing. Just don't mind me
1: yeah exactly all right well back to this (laughs) back to this uh district uh four three a girls bracket scott you'll notice it's different from the boys where the boys bracket got two and a half bids to state this is a uh two bid uh two bid match so or actually uh a one and a half bid match so you've got bliss and buell playing in a loser out game today at four o'clock in in Buell. And then the winner of that will play the loser of Kimberly and Sun Valley Community School. They're playing in the district championship in Kimberly. Um, And then the winner of that third place match gets to go to state. The loser will have to go to a play in. Um, They will take on uh, the second place team from East Idaho. So this bracket is slightly different from that boy's.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, this is one, I kind of feel like I need my abacus because this thing is all over the place and um, it's a lot of soccer. And when you, when you look at these games, they are going back to back to back and, and fatigue does play an issue in soccer. I mean, playing back to back nights in basketball is tiring and it's the one sport that we do it in soccer. When you do it can be, a gr- I mean, it can be grueling. And so that's going to play a factor down the stretch, you know, through this loser's bracket here.
1: Yeah. You're talking about playing Thursday today, Friday, uh, and then, and then Saturday. So I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. All right, Scott, let's pause it again. And we will come back and talk football right after this on the magic Valley prep cast. Once again, through the magic of Disney, we're back. It's the Magic Valley Prep Guest at idahosports.com, and it's happened. S- Scott's gone for real this time. Bones is here officially as his doorbell won't stop ringing.
0: <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> All right. I tell you what, I'm glad that we at least have the technology that you can just pause my craziness for a minute. And if people can only see what's going on behind the scenes or hear what you're hearing, we we might be onto something for a little bit of pay-per-view extra footage.
1: <laughs> if this if this were last year, there was no pause function, I would have just had to mute your mic and I would have just had to have gone on a soliloquy for, you know, <laughs> a couple of minutes carry it myself, so. Oh, yeah. well, I'm
0: glad you didn't have to do that. So, thank you Magic of Disney.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's talk football. We we want to look back at one exciting game from last week and then preview a big game wow. coming up. On Friday, we got to start though with Deklo going to West Side and and knocking up. That's a place where teams don't go and win. It's like it's like going to Tuscaloosa and trying to beat Alabama. West Side's lost like two times there in the last like seven years. And Declo gets it done, twenty-seven to twenty-six. This was a dramatic game. Uh, West Side got up twenty to nothing. Declo had to rally back. There was an exciting finish at the end that we'll show you and. um Yeah. What a win for the Hornets.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a West side team at home that, like you said, just doesn't lose. I mean, they've only given up 25 points at home this year. And this is a team in West side. That's winning by an average of 44 to 19 on the season. I mean, they have been dominant this year. Uh, Declo, I would say probably equally as dominant. They're winning their games by an average of 37 to 14. So something something had to give here, and the fact that it was at West Side is a huge advantage um, for West Side. But I tell you what, you, Declo showed a lot of grit falling behind twenty to nothing, and really it was the physicality of West Side that was getting it done because Declo's is a team that likes to go under center, and those big boys from West Side were just pushing everybody around on the line, and they just were not getting anything going, and so. They made the adjustment after falling behind 20 to nothing to, to go into the shotgun and and spread some things out and move around and try to get some things going, and they did. And they got that score uh, right before the half so they could go in uh, down 20 to 8. And they got the opening kickoff in the second half and marched right down and scored and made it 20 to 14. And now all of a sudden, um, they've got a game. And then early in that fourth quarter, West Side bust out a 70 yard run, uh, Parker Moser got loose and, and, uh, now here we go. Declo again, trying to come from behind. They, they stopped the two point conversion, dada, da dada. And, and here we go down to the final seconds and this is when it all got bananas.
1: Yeah. So, uh, before we get to that, I will, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, kudos to coach Josh Stewart and his staff for recognizing, Hey, what we want to come in and do ain't working. We got to adjust. So many coaches are so rigid in what they want to do, and they don't don't ever deter from the game plan coming in. I mean, to go from under center, pound the ball to a shotgun and spread and throw it around—that is a complete 180. But it worked for Deklo. Uh, you mentioned right before halftime, Will Will Gerard uh, Gerard threw a, a jump ball to Gavin Rasmussen for a touchdown. Rasmussen caught another touchdown pass in the second half. Max Snedeker caught a touchdown pass. So. Gerard was feeling it and then Declo scores like you mentioned Scott Bodie Backenberry scores on a five-yard run and he was injured to start the year so they're still kind of slowly working him in on a pitch count Backenberry scores and Westside had not one but two chances inside Declos 10-yard line in the fourth quarter to uh try and and come away with the game winning score because they're down 27-26 at this point. First time they're turned away, second time they're turned away with a little extra help Scott. They got uh essentially a fifth down. They they had five downs to try and score due to confusion on the field.
0: Yeah, and, and those college football fans that might remember back in 1990 where Colorado beat Missouri on the last play of the game because they were awarded a fifth down and Colorado converted and won the game, all this controversy, and, and we dang near, 19, 20, 20 10, 23, I had to do my math, carry the one. No, 23 years later, dang near had a repeat, because here we are, final seconds, and some sort of confusion down there allowed Westside to have a fifth try to score To win the game and when this happened um Josh called timeout and he's like hey what's going on what's going on he he wanted an explanation and nobody was on the same page and it wasn't going to change and and you talked about you know Will Gerard. he's went up to his coach settled him down and said coach don't worry we got this we're gonna stop him and so all right and they last play um, they west side did a little yeah. rollout, little run pass option, and it was it was the great play from Bodie long, the linebacker, knocked down a pass, and 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 that was it.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna show it to you. Uh, big thanks to our friends at KACH Radio down there in the southeast Idaho, they do west side and Preston high football games, and they, they're radio broadcasters, of course, but they also do live video coverage, and so we've, we've got the tape. Uh, I reached out to their play-by-play guy, Cody Olson, earlier this week, and and uh, he said, yeah, uh, go ahead and, and show the footage. I was going to try and get his audio with it, but I couldn't get the audio to work, so you and I will just commentate over the top of the video coverage here, Scott, but here's where it all starts. It's, this is the first play. The ball is... At the 12-yard line, Westside had just completed a big pass. So this is first down. And you're going to see here, they're going to try and hand off. And they pick up a couple yards down to the five. And that's going to bring up second down. And you can already see, because there's like 40 seconds left, Westside's trying to get to the line to hurry. The officials are scrambling a little bit. And so this is second down. And you'll see the play was actually blown dead before the ball was snapped. And I'm wondering if this is where it all starts. Yeah,
0: normally in these types of situations, there is going to be a stoppage of play. There's going to be a penalty. There's going to be something to disrupt what's going on down on the field. And this is where it starts to get confusing. And as you can see, with everything just being in a giant rush, a giant hurry, under a minute to go, here's where all the confusion starts to set in. So
1: really it's been one down. Yes. So they stop play there to reset the ball at the seven. This is second down a run to the right side. And again, now down to the five and what should be third down. Now this is where West side calls a timeout. So West side calls a timeout to uh, stop the clock. Because now you're talking about like 30 seconds left. So you can see here, Declos jogging to the sideline. West side's in their huddle. They're going to take a commercial break. Um, and I will skip ahead past that to where we are back out of the timeout. And so, um, but so Scott, to, to reiterate, we've done two plays so far, right? Mm-hmm. And already some confusion setting in on where are we spotting the ball? What are we doing with it? And because the team is in hurry-up mode trying to, you know, use the clock as best they can, it does lead to some confusion. So here out of the timeout, Scott, I'll put my screen back up here. Okay, so here they are out of the timeout, Scott. Third down. This should be third down. And you'll see again like west side's ready to snap the ball they're like let's go and the officials are now huddled together you can see three officials together and talking now what they're talking about not sure but should be third down and i think this is where the confusion i think sets in i think in their heads they think it's second down
0: right and you just saw white hat hold up fingers as as to what down it was
1: So this is third down. They hand it off on a fullback dive down to about the four. And again, Westside doesn't have any timeouts left at this point. We're down to about 30 seconds. So they're hurrying up to the line. This is fourth down, Scott. Fullback dive again gets stopped. Declo thinks they've just turned the ball over on downs. And -hmm. you can see Westside's kind of of dejected a little bit. And yet here's our white hat official, and he is spotting the ball again. And now this is where the, the confusion sets in. We just watched four right. plays, and now they're getting a fifth. And this is, where I think, where
0: Deklo's going to call the uh, the timeout. Yeah, because they want to know what's happening. And I think it was the the down prior to that, where you after the the uh, huddle of officials, that's where they got it all messed up. White hat comes out and says second down, and it should have been third down. And when when that happens, you don't see that a lot. You know, from the from the officials. Nobody's really paying attention if he just throws up, you know, two fingers, three fingers. I mean, everybody assumes they know what's going on. And so West Side all of a sudden is operating under the assumption they have the extra down. Deklo thinks they've got him stopped. And now all of a sudden they're lining up for a fifth down. And Deklo calls timeout. And this is where Gerard says, Hey, coach, hey, settle down. We got it. We're going to stop him right here on
1: fifth down. So here is the fifth down play and now our officials are huddled together and talking again. And they seem to come to the consensus that yes, here we are. Now it's fourth down.
0: down. Yep.
1: Wow. And, and so, and, and both, both fan bases are hollering at this point. Right. And, but here we go. Fifth down. And this is where West side is going to try to pass for the first time in this sequence of plays. So you'll see Eli Brown, the quarterback, roll out. There's the deflection. Yep, there you go right there. And can you imagine
0: a game of this magnitude where you're looking at two playoff teams and their max preps rankings and all this kind of stuff that's factored into it that the game ends on a botched fifth down opportunity? Um, Oh, man, we'd be talking about this one a lot longer than we are, that's for sure. But you know what? It worked out the way. That it should. Declo gets a win on the road, overcoming things that no team really should have to overcome. Um, but they did it. So congratulations to the Declo Hornets.
1: And I think both yeah. sides, both coaching staffs, both fan bases, and the officials themselves handled the situation well, as best as yeah. they could, given yeah. the faux pas that occurred. The- yeah, well, you know what?
0: M- mistakes are gonna happen. You know, right. I mean, everybody's human. Even the officials are human. I mean, you hope that it doesn't become something that big, but it happened and we can sit and we can point fingers and we can say how bad officiating is. Not, No, um, we're not going to do that. It, it Something happened. It worked out the way that it should, luckily. Um, but uh, this is definitely a learning experience for officials as well.
1: Yeah, this happened in another game, in an eight-man game last week too, Scott. Lewis County was playing Tri-Valley, and Tri-Valley has the ball at the three-yard line with like less than 10 seconds to go. They call for a timeout they don't have. The official says, you don't have timeout, so they have to hurry up to the line. They snap the ball. Now, I think in the confusion, the clock was at zero when they snapped the ball. Didn't notice it. QB scores on a three yard run to win it in walk off fashion, but that happens sometimes it's football, right? Well, it does. And, and
0: I think what people have to remember sometimes is, are these, you know, officials, um, they're going to make mistakes. They they've got day jobs, you know, they are, they're not professionals. You know, they're the, the guy that's, you know, working down at the insurance company. And they're the guy that's at the bank, they're at the hardware store. I mean, these guys are coming in, trying to help out and do these things as best they can. And nobody in this situation did anything on purpose. Um, it's just unfortunate that it happened. You don't ever want to see this, but, you know, just everybody lighten up a little bit and just move
1: on. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling these two might see each other again down the line in the playoffs, possibly. And yeah. Two very good, that
0: would be. <laughs> very good football teams. And you're absolutely right. And I can't wait for that rematch if it does happen.
1: Yep, for sure. So congrats to Teclo. Still undefeated, 7-0. and Another team that's undefeated, Scott, 7-0 and are the Kimberly Bulldogs, and they have a huge game this Friday night on idahosports.com. Magic Valley game night in a game that will more than likely decide the Sawtooth Central Idaho Conference title as Buell comes to town. The Indians are 5-2. and The Bulldogs are 7-0. and Buell is the defending conference champ, but I think Kimberly comes in as the favorite.
0: I, I'd say Kimberly comes in as the heavy favorite, even though Buell has had their number the last couple of years. This is a Kimberly team that is steamrolling people. I mean, they're winning their games by an average of 44 to 6, not even close. And this is a, a Buell team that is five and 5-2 with losses to Weezer and Declo. and they're winning their games by an average of 28 to 16. But all the focus really is on how good is this Kimberly team? Because this is a team that is being touted as one of the best that they've had in a long time. You know, they have got so many weapons that you you think, okay, we lost our big playmaker. What are you going to do? Well, I tell you what, they've got five guys that can run the football. They've got a bevy of receivers. And so when you go up against this Kimberly team, it's like, who are you going to stop? You know, and you just can't focus in on on one guy. You know, they've got, um, I was talking about the running backs, Michael Goff, Parker Stringham, Jackson May. And then Damon Taylor went off last week against Wood River with over 200 yards rushing. And then you look at this receiver group. You know, I mean, it's, it's Casey Hammond, it's Mason Jensen, it's Riker Larson, it's A.J. Walker, it's Kenny Hernandez. I mean, who do you stop? And so when you've got that, the only thing that you can really do is try to exploit the line. Try to get the interior up front involved and make that the difference maker. And talking to the coaches, I mean, that's what they both feel. buell has got their own set of playmakers as well. So it's going to be in the trenches that I think this thing is going to get decided.
1: And you didn't even mention the trigger man who makes it all work. Cade Larson, the quarterback for, for Kimberly chief distributor. And boy, he's a fun player to watch and he could take off and, and beat you with his legs as well. And you mentioned it. Buell is a team that has kind of quietly gone about their business this year. I think they prefer it that way. I think they like to be the, uh, the sleeping, uh, lion, uh, that nobody's paying attention to. It's a younger team this year, right? They are leaning on, uh, several sophomores at key positions, Um, Riley Brunson has been a great two-way player for Buell this year. He's come up with a number of takeaways on defense, usually leads the team in rushing. This is a Buell team that plays solid fundamental football and they're going to have to play because of their style. They like to run the ball, play it close to the best. Whereas Kimberly's a little more explosive. I think that puts a little pressure on Buell to play a little more perfectly than Kimberly.
0: And you're you're absolutely right. The margin for error in Buell in this for Buell in this game is is very small. They cannot make many mistakes. Kimberly is is too explosive. I mean, they're so good that even if you were able to bottle them up for a period of time, you know that that team can just blow it wide open in a matter of minutes. You know, and so any mistakes that Buell makes, they they can't make many in this game.
1: Be a big uh, test for Josh Creasy, the uh, interim coach for Buell, and of course Kimberly's coaching staff. Uh, they are well versed in. We we talked about this all the way back at the, the beginning of the season. Coach Joe Dilly says we have a lot of trophies in our in our in our trophy case at Kimberly High, but we want a blue one.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. and, and that's really been Kimberly too. I mean, they have been dominant around here in the 3A ranks, but they just need that stronger competition in their own conference to really prepare them for what they see at state because they get up to state and all of a sudden it's like uh, they just can't quite get the job done now hats off to buell over the last couple of years for providing that and then gooding in the previous years but it's still not the same and so kimberly they are looking to get over that hump and like you said get a different color of trophy in that trophy case
1: Yeah, for sure. So that'll be a fun game Friday night, seven o'clock from Kimberly Buell and Kimberly magic Valley game night on Idahosports.com. All right, Scott, it is time for another edition of Scott's thoughts. The topic uh, I presented to you was uh, how do you stand out and and say, yeah, make a difference because it's easy to say I'm one person what can I do? How can I affect change? But you can, you just have to have that belief. So Scott, go ahead and take it away.
0: Yeah. This one, this one I struggled with a little bit because when you, when you talk about making a difference, um, it's about doing the little things that maybe don't get noticed or doing things for the right reasons, but it all begins with some of the little things. And so when I got to kind of thinking about this, I kept coming back to that. Um, I kept coming back to, you know, compassion. I kept coming back to, you know, people doing those little things for each other. And what facilitated this, as you know, Brandon, was, you know, our friend in Butte County, who is undergoing some, some troubles and the, the GoFundMe page is blown up. And how do you know if you're making a difference? Well, Here's, here's what I came up with, and the first thing it reminded me of was a story. A long time ago, I, I knew a boy who grew up loving sports. He and his best friend would be the kids outside throwing the football under the streetlight, and they knew all of their football teams before their alphabet, and, and every day at school, they wore some sort of clothing with their favorite teams on it. And ever since elementary school, this was a quarterback and receiver duo poised to be the next stars of their high school team. As freshmen, they had already gained the attention of several colleges, and the next three years in high school were going to be record-breaking for this pair. Everyone knew it. Well, over the summer, his best friend, his quarterback, they moved away. The town, the school, and this kid was devastated. Their quarterback was gone, and so was this boy's dream of playing football. As the following season began, this despondent and depressed football player had lost his passion until one day he was in the store with his mom and a community member walked up to him and said, hey, I'm sorry about your quarterback, but you're still the leader of this team. Find a different way to get the job done. They won't win without you. That moment changed everything for this kid. You know, sometimes the smallest things make the biggest difference, but how do we know? How do we know when that moment comes that we change the course of someone's life? How do we know that our small gestures of kindness aren't just drops in a bucket, never noticed, never felt? The answer is we don't, but do we need to know? Or do we just need to know that our actions don't always get recognition? Doing the small things aren't glamorous, and they aren't supposed to be, but the impact these gestures have is like a ripple effect that lasts longer than any grandiose gesture. I think part of the problem is that many of us don't do something not to get something. We've succumbed to this sensationalized society that every good deed needs immediate recognition, and the thought of doing something just because it made someone else feel good is dismissed as an inconvenience. We now reward people for doing what they're supposed to do. How many times could we have looked up from our phone and just smiled at someone? How many times did we take the time to pay a complete stranger a compliment? And how many times have you told your mother that you love her just because you can? Forget it. What difference does it make? Every one of us fights our own demons and every one of us has a story. And every single one of us at one point or another can use something small just to help fill that bucket. Whether it's a check-in phone call, a text asking how the day is going, or a note left in a car just saying you're thinking about them. Those are the things that cost nothing, yet they are the richest gifts that we can give. A friend of mine, Jason, he grew up in Wyoming, and he had a best friend who committed suicide. It was unexpected and it took everyone by surprise. For years, Jason beat himself up over this because he thought he missed the signs or could have done something to prevent this tragedy. Well, over time, Jason's love for his lost friend and the need to do whatever he could not to let something like this happen again, led him to create the Jay Foundation in honor of his friend, Jay. The concept is to do a boot check on people. In other words, Check in just to make sure they are all right. As the entire operation revolves around cowboy boots because Jay wore cowboy boots everywhere he went. Even as a little kid, he refused to take them off at bedtime. There's so much more to this amazing story and organization, but the gist of it is that we need to do the small things before the big things are what we can't take back. The small things, noticed or not, are the cornerstones to positivity The small things are the glimmers of hope that can make someone stop for just a second and realize that someone cares, that humanity still exists. And the effect, the effect. You know, it was once said that great things are done by a series of small things brought together. But we forget that. We forget that people need connection. They need to know that they're cared for. But we dismiss these simple gestures like a smile, a hello, a good morning, a note for no reason, and even a small donation to a great cause for our friend from Butte County. So do we need validation that our gestures matter? We end up telling ourselves, what difference does it make? Well, it doesn't have to make a difference to you, even though in your soul it does. But know that it makes a difference even if you don't see it. And it does seem insignificant. I believe the secret to us doing more of these small things is gratitude. So many of us aren't grateful for what we have that we fail to recognize those who would give anything to be in our shoes. And once we focus on what we do have and not what we don't have, the true meaning of gratitude is understood. Then the act of doing these small things for people becomes more prevalent and for the right reasons. I can't help but think of little kids who see someone crying, someone in pain. Oftentimes their first reaction is to give them a hug. They wanna make it better. The compassion wrapped up in those little bodies are as pure and as close to unfiltered love as you can get. You see, kids are genuine until we teach them not to be. So you ask, When do we know if we're making a difference? The answer is, it doesn't matter. Life's bank account isn't in a building. It's inside of us. And the currency is never ending. So take a moment to boot check with someone. Take a moment to tell someone, a coach, a parent, that they made a difference. Take a moment to donate. And take a moment to change someone's life with something small. You'll be surprised how that affects your own state of mind. Be the change you wish to see in the world and then ask yourself, what difference does it make? I wanna take you back to the story of the football player who was ready to quit until words from a stranger changed it all. This kid went on to win two football state championships and had a successful college baseball career, all due in part to someone who took the time to say what he needed to hear. This kid was saved. This kid ended up being grateful. And although he isn't perfect, this kid tries to pay it back. And this kid is me. Those are Scott's
1: thoughts. I was waiting for the big reveal at the end. I thought it was building up to it being you. So nicely done. (laughs) oh i tried to
0: keep that a little bit of a secret but you figured it out brandon
1: (laughs) well movie buffs like us we can we can sniff out the plot pretty quickly right i'll do a better (laughs) job next time (laughs) no hey you did great um yeah that was fantastic and be the change you you think you don't make a difference but you really do whether it's casting a vote in an election or donating a dollar to a cause i mean it's phenomenal um update on that fundraiser for butte county's dylan waymeyer who's still got a long road of recovery ahead of him almost forty-six thousand dollars raised now which is just incredible um that's awesome that's awesome and that's that's just on the gofundme other schools west jefferson uh and a couple of others in east idaho have done their own separate fundraisers as well so that's not even counting the fundraisers we don't see behind the scenes also so Yeah,
0: it it is so cool. And like we said before, there are so many things that are much bigger than the game. And, you know, those are the things that I wish we would see leading the news, you know, sometimes, you know, just to give people hope that there is some good still in this world. But, you know, we're just kind of that negative society. And we talked a little bit about that last week. It's just we, we, we look at the negative before we see the positive. And, you know, like we said, be the change you want to be. Gandhi said that. And so make sure that you focus on the right things, do the small things for people that make a difference. And and that's kind of what this whole Scott's thought was about. And that's where I took it was just do the small things and they make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, that was a a great job. So next week's Scott's thoughts topic, Scott is going to be all about sportsmanship. Now people are going to think this is because of some of the lopsided scores that have happened in football recently. And I assure you it's not, it's because of something that happened in North Carolina. I did want to mention quickly, congratulations to Minico last week against your Jerome tiger, setting a new school record for most points in a game 81, which is a good accomplishment for them. And so I I just want to make sure people know that's not what I'm referencing when I'm talking about sportsmanship. I'm talking about a team in North Carolina, Scott, two weeks ago, they had a quarterback set a new state record with 10 touchdown passes in a single game. And you're thinking, wow, that's pretty incredible. It must've been a really tight back and forth shootout. He throws for 356 yards and 10 touchdowns. No, nope, the final score was 94 to 18. So then you might, you might be thinking, okay, well maybe it's a really small school and they just, they don't have anybody else that, that can play quarterback. Maybe it's like an eight man school and they've got nine players nope they've got uh, in a student enrollment of just under a thousand they've got about 30 to 40 kids on the football team so why was this kid in in a 94 to 18 win still throwing passes with the first string unit out there and that is what drives me nuts scott i see it a lot where teams will leave their starters in despite being up big and sometimes it's because they don't have anybody else on the bench they can turn to. But in situations like this, it's just unnecessary. So sportsmanship is what we're talking about next week.
0: Boy, that that has been a hot topic for the last few years. You know, once we started getting that uh, shortage of officials, sportsmanship kind of was pushed to the forefront. And it was because of the lack of sportsmanship from coaches and players and fans that, that officials were leaving. But there are so many levels to this that we're starting to see it a little bit um, here. And, and it's unfortunate, too, because, you know, teams that, that want to light up that scoreboard for no particular reason other than to set records um, and demoralize an opponent, really, because sometimes what goes around comes around. And and people don't understand that. And and you want to talk about some of the things that have a ripple effect that we just talked about. Well, that's it. I mean, what do you what kind of message are you sending to those kids on the other side that that you're just beating them to a pulp? And does that make you feel better? What are you doing to those kids and and their love for the game and and that kind of thing right there just irritates me. Now we could go off on fan, We could go off on fans. We could go off on co. We could go a million directions with this. But to stay to your point on what you brought up, it, we we are seeing it and it, it is a little disconcerting.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let me zoom in a little bit here. Uh, running up the score specifically is what um, I want you to to talk about next week. So
0: running up the score. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, focus perfect. in on, on that. Okay. That, that helps me channel
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: a little bit better. Running up the score. Got it.
1: Yep and then we can t- we can touch on all that other stuff uh at some other time but th- for this week specifically running up the score because I saw this 2 weeks ago and I'm like why was he in a 94 to 18 game throwing 10 touchdown passes at this and I the first thing I always think of is like man I hope nobody gets hurt yeah well, <laughs> I mean it,
0: it, it, absolutely I mean you, certainly for the team that's winning you don't want your right. star player to get hurt but is it worth it just to say you set a record um against an inferior opponent just to have your name in a in a record book I mean come on yeah so i don't know
1: Okay, I'm looking forward to it next week. Running up the score will be the next edition of Scott's thoughts. All right, we went long today, but we're at the point of the season where there's so much postseason action going on. It's hard to gloss yeah. over anything. We've got to talk about everything's important because we're we're into the postseason. So uh, we will be back again next week for another edition of the Magic Valley Prepcast for all the big stories going on in the Magic Valley. Scott, as always, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it, Brandon. Another good show and uh, have a great week as broadcasting is right around the corner for us as football playoffs are just a couple of weeks away.
1: That's right. I mean, the next two weeks, uh, Magic Valley game night, they're kind of like playoff games anyways. Buell at Kimberly. And then next week, Twin Falls at Minico. Here we go.
0: (laughs) That's the one right there that's circled in the Great Basin calendar. That's for all the marbles right there.
1: Yep, that'll be a lot of fun. So, all right, for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on idahosports.com.